Well, good morning. It still is morning. So excited that you guys are here on this day. Hey, one of the things I want to make sure we, that we do not just kind of quickly pass through is Tyler talked about, you know, uh, we received this award from the CV Unified School District, you know, for kind of the partnership award. And uh, I don't think you understand why that's so significant. As you know, as a church, our vision is that we would be a church that impacts our community for Christ. So whenever the community recognizes that a church is doing something positive, it reflects great, not on our backs, but on his. So can we just praise God for that? Can we just thank God for that? That's who we want to be. That's who we want to be. So I'm excited that you are here as we kick off, you know, the third week in this series called Sensing God. Now, uh, I got this, uh, this last summer when I was on study leave because I read a verse in the Old Testament, and I've read it many, many times, but, you know, sometimes you read something again and it just stands out. And it's from Psalms chapter 34, verse 8, which says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I've always read that as, well, experience God or hear and understand. But if you actually know the Hebrew, it actually literally means taste and see that the Lord is good. And so I've gone on a journey, and, and, and I've already discovered that each one of these weeks could actually be probably four weeks in and of itself. As a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how do we see God with our eyes, and what does that mean in terms of our connection with one another. And then last week, uh, Nathan Rector taught on hearing God and connecting with one another. Didn't uh, Nathan do a great job last week? Didn't he do awesome? I'm so glad that we have that partnership that continues even in different locations. And so let me start uh, with this. In Jesus' day, there was an awful disease called COVID. No. It was an awful disease called leprosy. And uh, when it came to leprosy, what you understand is that one of the first indications that you might have leprosy is you would start losing feeling in some of your extremities. And so often there would be self-harm that would unintentionally take place because if you can't feel when your hand is on a hot oven or stove or a fire, you're going to find yourself burned but not realizing it until after the fact. If you have leprosy for an extremely long period of time, then literally because of the lack of circulation and the decomposition that takes place in the human body, you would actually have limbs begin to fall off. Not only that, but it was a highly contagious disease. And so if you were told that you had leprosy, you were actually put in what would be called a leper colony. And each time that you would enter the marketplace or each time you would enter a crowd where there potentially would be healthy people, you had to stay more than six feet away from them. You actually had to yell, according to the law at that time, you had to yell this one word, unclean, unclean. And people would be made aware and they would begin to scatter because of fearing getting this disease. Imagine having that in Jesus' day with no cure in sight. Jesus, you know, in Luke chapter 5, verse 12, says in one of the villages, Jesus met a man with an advanced case of leprosy. So you can imagine what it must have been like for that man. When the man saw Jesus, he bowed with his face to the ground, begging to be healed. Lord, he said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. I don't miss this. Jesus reached out and what? touched him. See, it should surprise us a little bit, especially in that day and age, that Jesus was actually modeling maybe what this guy needed as much as he needed a physical healing. He needed a physical touch and a touch that would come from God. And then he says, I am willing. He said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. 
See, why didn't Jesus just say, all right, stay at a distance. I'm just going to pray for you. No, he said, there's something I want to model. There's something that we need to learn from Jesus when it comes to the power that God has given us through the expression of touch. There's some powerful things that we need to understand in how we connect with one another and connect with him. Now, we all know that touch isn't just a physical experience, that there's emotion that's tied behind it. But maybe some of us don't know the spiritual component as it pertains to touch. Many of you are also aware of the awful stories that took place in Nazi Germany or in Romania about 75 years ago when they studied little infants and, and young children and, and they were clothed, they were, they, were, they were fed, they were sheltered, but they were not touched and many of them had uh, emotional disconnections and issues not too much later and in extreme cases, these children died. Why would they die? They had everything taken care of because could it be that God wired us that part of life is actually in our touch and connection with each other. In fact, uh, more recently, more than 30 years of research, says a gal by the name of Timothy Field, who's the head of the Touch Research Institute at the University of Miami, who reminds us that science has now discovered this, that the number, the first of the senses to develop in a human infant is touch. And it remains perhaps the most emotionally central throughout our lives. She goes on to write, as an infant, skin-to-skin time in the first hour after birth helps the babies regulate their temperature, their heart rate, and breathing. It also helps them to cry less. It also increases the mother's relaxation hormones. Back through physical contact with adults, strong attachments can be created, thus providing a stable foundation for future relationships. She goes on by writing this, oxytocin, known as the bonding hormone, is released during times of close physical contact. Parent-child interactions may help foster the neurodevelopment of brain regions producing oxytocin, thus enhancing children's future socio-emotional development. In other words, what Tiffany is saying is that science has finally caught up with God. Right? God has been saying this for years. He understands because he created us and he understands the power and the necessity of touch when it means our connection with one another and even with him. Right? Well, one of the things that we've experienced over these last 18 months has been the loss of touch when it comes to COVID. Right? How many parents or grandparents and young and old and based on distance, there was not this ability to touch. And even though we had all access of communication that we've never had before in human history through Zoom and through phone calling and email and all that kind of stuff, there was still something that was so powerfully missing. At the same time, I do recognize that for some of you, this was an incredible blessing. You are the non-touchers. Any non-touchers in the room? You know, anybody? So one of our worship guys is a very much a non-toucher. It's Kenny. I encourage you to touch him, you know, after this service. He will be so excited about that experience with you. Uh, and so he was like, man, this is the greatest blessing. I hope it never goes away because he goes, I just don't have to touch anybody. But, uh, you know, that's not how we're, we're most of us normal people, Kenny, are wired. But, you know, during COVID, people actually tried to get creative when it came to human touch. Some literally want to touch so badly that they went out and became tree huggers. <laughs> Others got creative with maintaining the six-foot rule, but they still wanted to find ways, you know, to touch one another. Um, another couple, you know, uh, found a shower curtain and masked up in order to experience some sort of touch. 
Or you know those kind of creepy costumes uh, at Halloween? They got to be used all year long on a regular basis. But you know, in all seriousness, and you've seen this recently through social media and through the news agencies, the, the reunions that people have had, even if they've lived just a few hours down. How many of us have, you know, teared up, cried as we've watched other people because we know it's not just seeing one another. There's something powerful with touch that people are now embracing once again. In fact, just uh, ABC News just did a real brief little segment on it. I want to show it to you now. In Louisiana, 12-year-old Patrick Dowell surprised by his grandparents, Tom and Fran Searley. Here in New York in the Bronx, you'll remember grandmother Evelyn Shaw, fully vaccinated, not hugged in a year. I love you very much. In Palmetto Bay, Florida, we met the Comanduri family. In Ford City, Pennsylvania, three-year-old tracks moment we loved, running right into his grandmother's arms. <laughs> While back in Arizona tonight, that newest image to come in. Hey, David. Hey, David. Little Brody and Mom Angie telling us they are just grateful to have their family back together again. I missed her a lot, and it, I was really excited to see her, finally. That last one's awesome. That last one's awesome. And you've seen so many more, so many more moving examples, you know, of when it comes to us and our necessity to touch one another. God's the one that created it. He created us in this way so that we can have this emotional and bonding connection with each other. Uh, in fact, you know, um, I remember, you know, uh, growing up, you know, I was in sixth grade, you know, um, or so, uh, I, I actually had my first breakup. And uh, she broke up with me. I know, shocking, right? You know, it's 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 hard to believe, but it actually happened. And I remember uh, finding myself uh, crying in my bed. But do you know what I remember more than that? I remember my mom coming in to the room. I have no idea what she said, but she rubbed my back for half an hour, and it provided a sense of comfort and security and safety. You know exactly what I'm talking about. That's what I remember from that moment, and it's a powerful way to connect. In fact, there's five other times in the New Testament that a phrase like this is mentioned. 1 Corinthians 16 says, all the brothers and sisters here send greetings to, eat, to you. Greet each other with a sacred, or some of your versions say, a holy kiss. But she didn't realize that you had a sacred kiss that was actually given to you. Now, also, my mom would tell me growing up as a teenager that kisses were special, but to save them for special people. Now, although that is great advice, that's not actually what Paul is referring to here. See, a sacred kiss in Jesus' day would be very warm and welcoming upon somebody entering into your home or actually upon somebody leaving. Now, I know we do handshakes and that kind of stuff, but think more of a Latin American country. You know, you see that probably more often than not, at least that's in my experience. My, my wife is Colombian, and uh, one of our first Thanksgiving, you know, got to go over to her family's house where there was like, it felt like 100 people, but there's like nine aunts and uncles, and they're all short. I don't know why they're always short. But anyway, so uh, I'd walk in, and every single one of her aunts, it did not matter who it was, and they've never met me before. They'd put their arms around me, and they'd pull me down, and then they'd give me this kind of side kiss, to, you know, cheek-to-cheek kind of kiss. I'm looking at Caroline like, this is awkward. You know, but, uh, you know, we'd go through that, but is, is, it, is it something for us to pay attention to? Why is it that Latin American countries feel so warm and welcoming? 
right? Could it be they've embraced something that we kind of do, and I know we do in our day and age, we do with more of the handshake, or you know, we might do a side hug or a quick hug or what I like to call the, the man hug, which is kind of the pull in one arm and the three pat, 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 you know, kind of experience. <laughs> guys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I've already had it happen half a dozen times already. See, guys, we feel a little more uncomfortable when it comes to this kind of physical expression with other guys, you know, on a tender basis. So grab the arm, pull it in, pat, pat, pat. Some of you guys do more than three pats. That's just against the rule. You know, and you hold a little long. In fact, some of you even during COVID would do this to me. So what I started doing is I just started coughing, you know, uh, when, <laughs> when, you would, when you would do it to me. Just saying. <laughs> See, Apostle Paul, you know, as we wrote most of our New Testament, and he understood this kind of power intentionality. Although he would write letters to these churches, he understood that there were times in his journey that he would not see these people again. In fact, one specific time, he called the elders of the church in Ephesus, where we get the book of Ephesians, and he asked them to meet with him. And he told them, this is one of the last times that I'm most likely going to be able to see you face to face. I'm going to write, I'm going to connect, I'm going to do all these things, but this is our last face to face interaction. How did it go? In Acts 20, 37, they all cried cried as they embraced and kissed him goodbye. The power of touch. Now, speaking of, of kissing, uh, um, well, I'm going to give you an assignment, okay? How many of you guys are married? Raise your hand. Married people, just for a second. Okay, so here is, I'm going to give you two assignments. So pay attention. This is your homework from the Lord, okay? First thing I want you to do is starting today, I want you to kiss your spouse at least once a day for eight seconds. Eight seconds. Don't do it now. That's weird. <laughs> Some of you guys start leaning in. I was like, that. no, later today, okay? Eight seconds. Watch what happens. I'm just saying, you're going to laugh at first. Just seven days, eight seconds, okay? That's number one. Here's your second assignment. Uh, on one of your date nights, again, those of you who are married, this is for married people, and on one of your date nights or days or connection opportunities, I want you to be in God's word, because we want to be in God's word. I want you to read the Song of Solomon, okay? Song of Songs, and I want you to do it together. Let me just give you the second verse in there. Song of Songs, one, two, kiss me and kiss me again, for your love is sweeter than wine. And that's the PG version. It goes on from there. God created it, right? God is the, I like that, amen. <laughs> I'm really excited. Uh, God, God created this. He created it for marriage. He's the one that designed it because it's not just a physical connection. There is something spiritual and emotional that takes place when it comes to touch. Now, not only do we know it's a connective agent between friends and parents, you also know it can be a very painful one too. When it comes to touch, we see this in relationships. See, if you've ever been in a dating relationship and you break up, breaking up is hard. You want to know what makes it harder? Is when you've been more sexually intimate with the person you're not married. Because even though you've been told by society, oh, it's just physical, it doesn't make any difference, you know different. You know the connection and why it's so much harder to break up with someone that way. Because we are wired and designed for the physical to connect us even more emotionally and spiritually. Or, for example, have you ever been in a fist fight? Okay, raise your hand if you've been in a fist fight. Wow, so many at 11. You're like three times as much as the other services. That's awesome. 
Okay, so in a fist fight. Now, a fist fight is, you know, <laughs> sorry, that's funny to me. You know, 8 o'clock, I was like, I'm the only one on stage. I was like, you guys are a bunch of saints. You guys are a bunch of sinners. I love it. Uh, <laughs> see, fights are an explosion of anger and emotion. That's what they are. Uh, see, when <laughs> my brother's here. This is why this one's going to be fun. When I was in fourth grade, uh, my brother was in eighth grade. And uh, um, uh, as you know, difference in stage and age and, and, and muscles. My parents didn't happen to be around. And we, we would bicker a lot. You know, growing up, we just bickered, bickered, bickered. But the more you bicker, the more emotion can get the best of you. And so one day it overtook me, and I was just furious at him. I can't remember what he did, but I'm sure he deserved it. I was furious at him, and so I tried to grab a weapon. So the first thing that I could find and I grabbed was a knife. Yeah, yeah. I grabbed the knife, and I'm just shaking because I'm just so angry. And he yells at me. He says, Danny, because that's what it was before eighth grade, Danny, Throw it down. And I don't know why I listened to him. I'm like, okay. So I threw it down. And then I charged him like a raging bull. Okay. And as I charged him, all he did, one step back, boom, right in the ear hole. I went flying into chairs. Only thing I, I, I remember just being underneath the, ki- the, the, the table in our kitchen. And he goes off and I'm crying but I'm not just crying because I'm in pain and you know what I'm talking about. I'm crying because how could my brother do that? Now I can take him now, just so we might make sure we're clearing that. Yeah, I just want to make sure. But, uh, but back then there was a little bit of difference. Now I also, no, yeah, it's, it's gonna start right now in front of all you guys. So it's gonna be embarrassing for everybody. Uh, but I also remember my dad comes in and uh, he takes one look at me and then he starts making dinner, which I get really angry and I try to run away. I get a block and I come back. But that's a whole different story and that's other issues I have. But here's what you know is that it's not just a physical encounter. There's something much more emotional that's connected whenever we get into these kinds of fights. You know, Jesus, he was also betrayed by Judas. Now, how did Jesus greet him upon that betrayal? With a kiss. Also, Jesus challenged us when it came to our connection with other people to demonstrate who he was. That if you get slapped on the one cheek to turn the other also, why would he do that? Because it demonstrates a level of dependence emotionally and otherwise on God when we want to strike back. I also recognize, to be sensitive in the room, that there have been some of you who've been abused physically or molested or even raped. Power of touch can be so encouraging and so painful. But God gave us this power to be able to connect with one another. But you also need to understand that God gave us touch for a spiritual connection. And this is usually one that we don't talk about, you know, especially in American culture. But there's three primary ways that God gave us physical touch that actually connects us to him and other people spiritually. The first that you see in the Bible over and over and over again is to give or receive a blessing. To give or receive a blessing, you, you see it all this time. There's this laying on of hands in the Old and New Testament when a blessing was bestowed. But what is a blessing? Because many of us, uh, we, it's after somebody sneezes, you know, bless you. Or we think a blessing is, you know, a financial gain or that you're going to have a good day. But according to the Bible, a blessing from God is God is giving power to something or somebody to do that which they are designed or intended to do. This is what I've created you for. I've blessed you to do this so that when we bless others, we're asking God to bless someone to be successful in God's goodwill and intentions for them. So we're looking at God's blessing. And there's this laying on of hands that oftentimes takes place in the Old and the New Testament. A blessing is given. In fact, probably the most famous one that many of you are probably aware of is 
Jesus himself in Mark chapter 10, verse 16. Then Jesus took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. We see the Apostle Paul talk about when it comes to receiving a spiritual gift, a blessing from God. He reminds Timothy, this is just one of many other instances, 2 Timothy 1.6, 1, this is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. He didn't just pray over him. There was a physical connection that took place that brought a spiritual blessing in that person's life. So touch has the spiritual power to receive or to give a blessing. Secondly, it also is to give or receive spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. You see this on a regular basis. You know, one of the things that happens is the first authority that you receive is Christ. And so oftentimes you'll see somebody will accept Christ, or even in our case, they'll get baptized. And then afterwards, there's usually a laying on of hands as we pray for God to lead, to God to come in, or even the Holy Spirit to be received. And we see this modeled in our New Testament. Acts 8, verse 17, then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. They didn't just pray, they actually laid hands for the first authority to be received spiritually in their lives, which is the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, we see this all the time. It starts with Moses when it came to a spiritual succession, when it came to overseeing God's people. And so Moses is talking with God, and, 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 and God says to Moses, says, all right, Moses, your time is done. So I'm going to give what the power that I've given you, I'm going to now give it to Joshua to be my representative. And here's what I want you to do. Bring him before the people, lay hands on him, and then let the people know that he's now their leader. In fact, in Numbers chapter 27, verse 23, it says, Moses laid his hands on Joshua and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. Now, this carries this, this, the same idea of commissioning into the New Testament as well. See, when the apostles needed to focus on one area of ministry and the church was getting too large and there were too many areas to take hold of, they discovered seven, eight other guys that they would raise up and give them spiritual authority. Well, how did they do it? Acts 6, verse 6. These seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. Once again. Uh, we see this uh, over and over when you set apart elders. We've done this here at this church, you know, as well. Whenever we bring an elder, you know, on the stage, where, where we're laying hands is we're giving them spiritual authority over this congregation of which we submit to. Uh, you might see us do that with pastors, you know, laying hands. Some of you as small group leaders have been hands have been laid on because you're leading a group of, pe of people and now you're receiving spiritual authority. So why touch? I have no idea. But I do know that God, there's something that happens when God empowers us to actually use touch in a spiritual way in the life of another. Which lastly, you'll know, not only is it a deep spiritual component of blessing or spiritual authority, but this one is probably most familiar. It's also to give or receive healing. In fact, you can sum it up this way in Luke 4, verse 40. As the sun went down that evening, people through the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. What a powerful visual. Who is someone sick that you know needs the touch of Jesus? Now we're not saying God doesn't use doctors and doesn't use modern medicine, but there's also opportunities spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically that he will use as we pray and lay hands on one another. I don't understand how it all works. 
But I do know that's what he's wired and created us with. In fact, probably the most famous, you know, of this idea is the woman who was bleeding for so much of her life. And she had spent all of her resources on doctors and other people to be able to help. And then we read in verse 27 of Mark 5, she heard about Jesus. So she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him. So he turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, look at the crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? It's like, you've been out in the sun too long, Jesus. You got all these people touching you. And you asked, who touched me? No, because Jesus knew that something spiritual and physical had just taken place through his body, through his garments. And we see this exemplified in other places of scripture. So healing, there's something about this laying of hands and talking and praying and connecting in so many different ways. Lastly, I don't want you to miss this. Physical touch was used in the Old and New Testament also for us to get healing from our sin. In fact, God set it up in the Old Testament in the sacrificial system that you would have to have an animal that would actually take what was rightfully your and my place for the sin that deserved a punishment. Back in Leviticus, notice this, 1-4, it says, Lay your hand on the animal's head, and the Lord will accept its death in your place to purify you, making you right with him. Which is why you need to remember, it's not just about the word of God. The word became flesh. The word is not just on a piece of paper. God is not just spirit, but he came flesh so that people could touch and interact and connect with him and be able to tell everybody else that God came in human form. In fact, when he rose from the dead, there was one who didn't believe. And what did he say? I will only believe when I put my hands in his wrists and put it in his side. And that was Thomas. And so what did Jesus do? He appears eight days later. There's Thomas. And Jesus looks at him and says, come here, Thomas. Let me go ahead. Put your hands here. Let's have this connection. Now you need to start believing. How many of you need to start believing today? See, God has brought you today, and he wants to touch you. He wants to draw you to himself. And maybe you got invited by a friend or family member. We're going to celebrate graduates in just a few moments. And maybe that was the reason you came, but could there be a bigger reason that God has you in this place at this time? And that's between you and him. For the rest of us, if you've already received Christ, here's what I encourage you is your next step. Who's God calling you to reach out and touch this week? Who's someone, especially in light of COVID, especially in light of, you know, what's taking place that needs a touch from God through you in their life? Spiritually or emotionally, God has given us such power and opportunity to be his representatives in so many ways and one of those ways is with touch. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this gift that you have given. For us being able to sense you and others when it comes to this incredible gift of touch. We have learned just how powerful this is, especially in the last year and a half. So Father, I pray uh, that if there's anyone in this room who's not yet received you, that today and now would be the moment. And if that's you, that you would just simply pray in your heart and mind, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. 
Father, for the rest of us, may you just uh, remind us right now by your spirit. Allow us to know who it is that you're asking us to reach out and touch this week. Maybe it's for a blessing. Maybe it's to empower someone with some spiritual authority. Maybe it's to provide some healing that only you can provide and you're going to use us. Lord, thank you for that gift and for the opportunity to be used by you in that way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, as we wrap up, as always, I want to encourage you during this song that if you accepted Christ or if you want to get baptized, that you head over to the cross and Scott and others would love to talk to you. Or maybe you just need prayer. And if you need prayer, I'm going to encourage you now or even after service, there's going to be people over by the cross that would love to pray for you and allow them just to put their hand on your shoulder as they do to be able to pray for you. And so why don't uh, you stand with me as we sing this closing song together before we honor our graduates.